0: Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit gutterhelmetindy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetindy.com. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. We'll go straight to the hotline and bring on Breitbart News editor in chief, Alex Marlowe. Alex, uh, happy new year and congratulations on the newest addition to the Marlowe family.
1: That is so kind of you guys. You guys are the absolute best. I always love being on with you, and uh, very kind of you to think of me.
0: You know, I was—I actually was thinking of you uh, when Trump was giving his victory speech, the Iowa caucuses, and then Rachel Maddow cut in and actually said and admitted to her audience, look, we're biased, and he says untrue things, so we're not going to air this. And that brought me back to your book, which you are re-releasing – in paperback, I think he did it this week, Breaking the News. It really it made me think of Breaking the News and the collusion of corporate media and the Democrats.
1: Yeah, thank you, because I thought of it too, and it was very timely, because it is being re-released this week. And uh, thanks to everyone who's already picked it up. I know you guys were big champions of it at the time, Um, but it is more relevant than ever. And one of the reasons is you look at these people, like Rachel Maddow, who uh, is propped up by the corporate establishment, is told is an impressive and smart person, flaunts a resume. resume. You know, she's a Rhodes Scholar. She's supposed to be so, so brilliant. Uh, The way that she misled her of, of viewers on, in particular, the Russia collusion hoax. I document that so thoroughly in the book, she looks like a flat-out kook by the time you're done reading lie after lie after lie that she just tells with a straight face every night. And then she acts like she's got some authority over what is true. It shows you that not only is she a corrupt person, but she works for a corrupt media establishment, namely the people at NBC, Comcast, Universal, who run her network. But it really is the entirety of the publishing industry who props her up and the Democrat Party in general. They're all in on this together, and they're that powerful that they can continue to lie. And instead of giving people uh, pink slips or, or you know whatever it would be for uh, – I guess pink slips on the right word. But you're know, giving them, uh, let, let's say, HR reviews at a minimum about how they're lying to the public. What they're doing is they're giving them huge surprises, insane stuff. I good document it all, and it's time to read it. Alex Jason Hammer here Do you think though the public Buys it because I don't think it matters If you're a Republican or a, or a Democrat I think if you ask most people In this country do you feel like The television news networks Lie to you I think Most people would say yes so when Rachel Maddow goes up there and Wags her finger at you because she's The bastion of truth She knows what's real and what's not Do people actually buy that yeah, I, this is a good point, and I think a lot of people in your audience, and this is why there's another pitch for the book, if you feel like you've read enough about how horrible the media is. I, I guarantee you, you haven't, and I do challenge some norms that conservatives have about it. Um, but I do think we've – thankfully, thanks to talk radio and an alternative media like Breitbart – I think we've gotten through to most people how bad the media is. You can see in the poll numbers. That's terrific news. Uh, and we have not gotten through our message to the people who run the various newsrooms and newspapers, which is actually kind of great. Um, I'm a Los Angelino. I'm watching the Los Angeles Times crumble before our eyes. And the people in the newsroom are fighting to try to make sure that there's an equal level diversity after the next round of layoffs. So no, merit, no, 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 no meritocracy in place. Uh, it's the firing people basically based on color and not firing them based off of who's actually underperforming. That's exactly why these new are failing. But the other part of the book that I think is really important for people – Is It's a breakdown of how the media establishment was part of a corrupt conspiracy to rig the 2020 election. That's exactly what it is. It's a conspiracy to rig an election. But the thing that I think is where it differentiates my analysis from some others… Uh, I I don't think the Dominion voting stuff was real. I don't think some of these voting systems and the viral stuff we saw online or the pizza boxes over windows, uh, I I don't think that's how it was rigged. I think it was rigged through the manipulation of information and – There's two components to that. There's one is keeping the public uninformed by the media and tech establishment, lying about the various candidates and blocking accurate information, going to incredible lengths to censor it and working with the government to do that. Uh, And then the other component is lying to us about the dangers of the coronavirus so that we changed our election rules to make it easier for Democrats to run mail-in voting campaigns. All of this is completely heinous and it's all still in place. It's all a threat for this election.
0: Breitbart News Editor in Chief, Alex Marlowe here on the Hammer and Nigel Show, re-releasing his book, Breaking the News in Paperback, New York Times bestseller. So, Alex, um I, I mean I we we mentioned how MSNBC and CNN took Trump off the air during his victory speech. Are we seeing the same thing happen again that happened in twenty twenty?
1: Yeah, well what happened in twenty sixteen was they all put Trump on and made fun of him. They got great ratings. And they didn't understand that Trump's audience – I think it was Selena Zito who, who uh, put it correct – said that the, the audience was smart enough to know that we take Trump seriously but not literally, and they are, his opponents take him literally but not seriously. And that's what they did in 2016, and it's, it's kind of a brilliant quote. And it didn't work for them. Trump won, and it was one of these things where the media uh, was held held default for it, because they'd given him all this free press that they thought they were doing because people were watching Trump and thinking, what an idiot. No, most of us were watching him and thinking, wow, this guy's onto something here. He's saying some interesting new stuff. So they wouldn't do that in 2020. In 2020, they, they blacked him out more. They wouldn't air the speeches. Um, they wouldn't even fact-check some of them because uh, we saw through their fact-check lies. And yes, yeah, so they're going to run that playbook again. They're only going to talk about Trump now with regards to either something that they think is really terrible that he did or one of his court cases, and they're not going to talk about the ideas that give him power. Alex, you're one of the folks that, from time to time, gets access to former President Donald Trump. You've interviewed him a number of different times. How is Donald Trump different from 2020 or 2016? question. Uh, there's a couple ways. There's one thing that I noticed last time I was with him, which was about a month or so ago um, at Mar-a-Lago, is he's more conciliatory to people who are not necessarily inclined to vote for him, um, but he wants them to vote for him. It, it's the He was kind of warm in a lot of ways to people who might differ with some of the things he did his first term, and he is trying to instill confidence in people that he's not going to make some of the same mistakes that he made the first time, with particular in particular with regards to personnel some of his hiring choices uh, that did not please certain people including himself uh, he thinks he knows better he's smart enough to figure this out and he's experienced enough to figure it out and he really wanted to instill that in me also some of his messaging on some of the more complicated areas of his record like the issue of abortion which is very complex his record now uh, he was very he acknowledged that and i think he's if you hear him out He's a very interesting and subtle take on the issue, and I think that it gives something to everyone. Personally, for me, I'm a pro-life guy, uh, and I really liked his Supreme Court picks overturning Roe v.ersus Wade. But there's a lot of people who are uh, upset that that led to a lot of energy in the Democrat political base. Uh, that they don't see how Republicans kind of fought fecklessly against Roe versus Wade for 50 years, and he single-handedly, well, I mean, with the help of all the supporters, but basically single-handedly got it overturned. Uh, he's acknowledging and embracing that part of his history, but he also doesn't want us to do something stupid like have a bunch of abortion measures on the ballot this year that, ha- that favor Democrats because they turn out to vote. He gets all this stuff, and I thought it was pretty impressive the way he was stringing some of these narratives together. All that to say in a nutshell— He's incredibly smart, he's incredibly sharp, and even though he's getting older, he instilled a lot of confidence in me that, though he's not going to get everything right, he's going to have a better shot of appointing the right people, and he's going to be on top of it on a personal level.
0: So it's over for the GOP race, right? I mean, after Iowa and the margin of victory there, I, I mean, as you know, we have New Hampshire, then South Carolina. I mean, this is Trump's to lose at this point, right?
1: I actually think it's been over forever. Yeah. Um, I thought there was never there was there was never really a race, and I think once the Biden government started sifting through Melania's underwear drawer for state secrets, I thought that right. was pretty much official that he was at least going to get the nomination. Um, but it was really official when Ron DeSantis's campaign turned out to be so so terrible, historically bad. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Governor DeSantis as yeah. governor, and um, uh, it's still breathtaking how many mistakes were made. What happened? I mean, what's what was what's he doing? You know, this is one where we could do 20 minutes. We could do an hour on this conversation. But he declared too late. Um, He missed opportunities, I think, to take bold stances that would get him positive attention. Um, Him not rushing to Trump's defense when Trump was getting attacked by the uh, Biden government, I think was a huge mistake. I think he exaggerated good parts of his record. I think he played down things that were also good parts of his record. I think he got some of it wrong, uh, the way he messaged about himself. Um, But overall, it's a lack of charisma. He's just got no appeal to people uh, and I, I will say guys that he he was the least communicative with Breitbart, which is that hmm. – it's so it's just not smart. I'm not trying to be a braggart, but I mean the primaries, very hard to win GOP primaries if you're not going to get Breitbart on, uh, at least uh, on board. He was a non-communicative, just terrible people in this communications department. All those people who are just tweeting mean things at everyone who disagreed with him all, all the time. Are you guys on Twitter enough to know that that was happening, that all these influencers were yeah. getting paid by the DeSantis campaign to tweet horrible stuff to people who don't? Him, it was so bizarre and obviously was never going to work. So it's very disappointing because he would have been my guy in 2028, and that, now I don't think that's going to happen um, at, at all. So uh, very sad there. But yeah, but it's a it, Trump's the guy, and he's going to be in the driver's seat in the general election too.
0: And and people don't like Nikki Haley in general, right? I mean, she's what is it with her?
1: Well, Democrats do. Oh well, yeah, yeah. That's Democrats right. love her. Hot damn, <laughs> yeah. they can't get enough. That's right. The Democrat donor base likes her very much, and the old-school Republican money establishment likes her fine. Um, But the the, the, the key point, you actually – it's more profound than uh, you might even know to say people don't like her because that's the issue. If you poll her issues, Gallup, Rasmussen, whatever, you look at the stuff she's running on. She's not running on things the American people like. She's certainly not running on things people who vote in Republican primaries like. Mm-hmm. But in general, the public is not into her issues. And the longer she runs, uh, we don't want open borders, and uh, we're not open minded to the trans stuff, and we don't want to have wars all over the place, and we don't want to keep sending money to Ukraine. it's a the, those are not issues. Her issues are not ones that are going to win her a primary. And it's a, even if you hate Trump so much, there's just not enough people. Alex, what are you working on over at Breitbart? Uh, right now, I think the main thing is uh, following this primary – we're following Davos right now, uh, which is fascinating. There is a, a really interesting a, a narrative going on in Israel where Biden is not sufficiently pro-Israel in our opinion, mm-hmm. but he's too pro-Israel for his base, which is devastating for him politically. That's another thing we're tracking right now. Uh, we're It, it is – Absolutely necessary for Georgia and Governor Kemp to start looking into Fannie Willis and her uh, the, the weird guy she's with who, and their clear corruption. Uh, there's so many big narratives going on. We're dunking on the media for all of their terrible ratings and failures and layoffs that are happening. Uh, it's a very hot time in the news, yeah. and it's been a really cool January so far.
0: Well, the uh, new edition of Alex Marlowe's New York Times bestseller, Breaking the News, out now in paperback. Alex, you've always been really good to us, man. Best of luck in the new year.
1: Whatever you guys want, I'm around for you. Thanks, guys.